Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is April 3rd, 2019. Yesterday, I was pretty much um, having a full show, but for some reason, the parts where I was talking about Comey, New Zealand, and Brunei, and all, but they were all like not on air. So I apologize for that. So I'll have to revisit uh, some of the uh, news that I was giving to you guys yesterday that obviously didn't transpire. I, as always, I upload my live um, radio shows as podcasts and you can subscribe through iTunes, Stitcher, or any podcast, Google podcast, whatever. Um, and they're always uploaded through SoundCloud. So, uh, so today is Wednesday. And remember two weeks ago, um, before the Mueller report dropped, right, where I was like, hey, can you feel it? Can you feel this mundane cycle, this new cycle where it's kind of recycling old things, trying to revamp them as new, where they have nothing to talk about. And you can almost hear the rapid boiling under the top of a pot, right? where you can hear it raging and it's just not moving that lid to make noise. Well, April 5th is the plea deal deadline or the day that the plea deal goes into effect when signed by uh, Jackson Costco. So I'm expecting something huge to drop. Now, obviously, the border is in discussion again. CNN has recycled a talking point from 2012 and 2013 about Brunei's law to stone and execute gays. And now it's a whole world outcry when they passed the law, actually, in 2014 and said that they would be implementing it in five years in an effort to allow the gays to leave Brunei. Or change. So this happened <laughs> almost 10 years ago where they were discussing it. Uh, it was in discussion uh, through, you know, Bru- Brunei's um, government discussing how they would create a bill, how they implement it. And the finalizations and the T's and the, uh, were crossed and the I's were dotted uh, sometime in late 2013 and was passed in 2014 with a five-year rollout date, which is to pop now. And for some reason, <laughs> here is the media again, trying to drive our foreign policies and trying to make President Trump own this. Uh, so maybe we should start with that because that's the most frivolous one. But I also want to give a nod to a few things um, that's happening in regards to money and Brunei. So if you 
look back and like I said, don't use Google, use DuckDuckGo. You will find articles where Hillary Clinton was being, you know, slammed down for accepting elaborate jewelry as gifts from the uh, from the Sultan in Brunei uh, and how she, you know, accepted this gift. I mean, you know, it's it's normal. You know, when you visit somewhere that they give you a gift, like here's a Fabergé egg, you know, something symbolic that could stay in the White House or even a bottle of cognac, you know, because Putin gave one of those to Hillary Clinton, too. Um, You know, that's that's normal courtesy. I mean, when I go over people's house, I'll bring something, a baked good that I made or flowers or, you know, a bottle of wine. I'm cheesy like that. Uh, So it's normal practice. But, you know. Tens of thousands of dollars in jewelry is different. And Hillary Clinton wasn't the only one draped in jewels by the Sultan in Brunei. So was Michael slash Michelle Obama. And you know what's funny? In 2012, right, Obama initiated a transaction to give $6 billion to Brunei in what they would call green energy grants. Because... Of course, all of us, when we think of Brunei, we think of green energy, right? Totally. Uh, We think of sustainable living, no, you know, veganism. No, we don't. That's not true. See, the way countries pay off people or uh, exchange elaborate favors is under these fake, you know, climate change grants. That's how it happens. So, you know, Obama decided to just kick off $6 billion in green energy loans to, you know, Brunei. And, you know, he happened to spend a lot of his youthful years in Brunei, didn't he? He did. He did. And it's such a great investment of our monies, isn't it, guys? $6 billion we gave them back in 2012, 2013, it was finalized, of our hard-earned federal tax money. We gave it to them. And let me see. Can we all see how many windmills or solar panels we have in Brunei? Are they saving polar bears? They're doing absolutely nothing. So this is something interesting, you know, how our, you know, banking checkbooks and balancing foreign aid, our export import bank, which I've also mentioned, uh, someone chaired who's, uh, you know, not a very good person, uh, that is also intertwined with this mid-year exam. Uh, this is how it happened, Right. This is how stuff like this happened. So, wow, six billion dollars to help Brunei become a clean energy country. So we gave that to them. What is it? Twenty nineteen now. So what? Seven years ago, eight, seven, six, seven years ago. Not one wind powered, (laughs) not uh, one polar bear saved. But here is where it gets awkward. So we have a rise in cryptocurrency. Uh, You know, as you know, most of these, why do I keep saying, you know, these past couple days, like I was listening back to my show yesterday and just kept saying, you know, I have to stop doing that. Uh, They, we have seen an uptick in cryptocurrency, bitcoins, you know, digital currencies, um, huge uptick. And it turns out that in March alone, um, BIBD, 
uh, is to service $6 billion in uh, digital transactions with Brunei. I, I just wanted to point that out. That was actually reported last year. And um, during the press conference, uh, BIBD Next Gen uh, that was held, uh, he said that it is becoming more accessible to the people that don't have traditional banks. And it's hoping that by enforcing people to use digital transaction will capture transaction patterns. Now, it's really odd that this is $6 billion and it's $6 billion that, um, you know, hopefully soon to be impeached 44th President Barack Hussein Obama gave them. But this is what I wanted to point out. The reason everyone is trying to push people into using digital currencies is so that they can monitor and find patterns in transactions. Sounds very similar to the social uh, citizen score uh, that China has been rolling out, right? Where they look at your face and what you purchase and where you walk, what train you take, bus, who you hang out with, and appropriately give you a, a, a social score. This is here. This is in the United States. This is why we've digitized almost everything. And they're, you know, making it more convenient or making it very inconvenient for those that want to use cash. So this is a very, uh, I think, important point to make uh, for those listening so that we understand how this all ties in. And there's a report out um, that clearly states $6 billion in digital currency for Brunei. I'm just pointing out the similarities. Now, heading back to this CNN article and how now they're trying to make President Trump own the fact that Brunei is now going to be stoning or killing gays. This is ridiculous. Like, when does it stop? When do we stop this fake, you know, outrage? Where was CNN when they were rolling out this law and... Hussein was sitting with the Sultan and hanging out and clinking wine glasses and enjoying themselves. And when his, you know, wife, Sheeman was getting jewels and dripped on her, you know, when he was giving them $6 billion, where was the outrage? We saw no outrage. These liberals, at lib- I can't say that. Because libertarians are not, are also called liberals. So these far left socialists are so selective in their outrage that, you know, there's a delay here of five years and they want to make President Trump own it. They want to make him drive, they want to force him, right, to change his foreign policy because they're, they think they are that powerful. I don't think people realize it's been, you know, two full years of a President Trump presidency, how are they not getting the message? You are not the news. You have no say in our policy. You need to report facts. Be transparent. Stop being a mouthpiece. And all we see these past couple of days after this shattering 
no collusion report where they've literally lost their minds is them trying to make something out of nothing. Now they're throwing Mueller under the bus or, you know, saying how he was duped or how Barr's about, Barr is their guy. And they are trying to keep this Russia collusion narrative as alive as they can. And, you know, the House, specifically Nadler, is trying to perpetuate this by, we're going to subpoena this. We're going to want this. We're going to want that. Like, seriously, get over it. It's done. Can we continue moving forward and talk about real things? Like how we have great jobs, how we can move forward in bringing in more jobs, how we can compete better on a global platform. That's what we should be focusing on, how we can fix healthcare. How we can fix our immigration problem, how we can stop the invasion at the southern border, how we can stop these organized, deeply embedded, long-standing criminal rings, mafia, but no more with the Italians and the cigars, but actually in suits and boots and nice dresses. We need to really fix our country, rebuild our infrastructure, rebuild our military. Like, what are we focusing on here that you're still upset that he's president? Get over it. Focus on our people. Focus on our needs. That's what they should be doing. They are just insane. I mean, they are losing their base slowly. I mean, it's really hard because people just love to be spoon-fed rubbish constantly. If you go to Facebook, to where CNN, I think it was yesterday, posted this Brunei thing, you'll see how people are like, oh my gosh, and Trump is such a good friend of his. It's all his fault. Look at him condoning gays being so... And I'm thinking, what? Uh, I don't remember any outrage. Can we all remember like how we gave him $6 billion when they were passing this law? This is what happens. This is the fake news. They make news out of nothing because they've got nothing. They are so in the dark, have no idea what's going on, that they are literally just taking talking points from these crazy Soros-funded think tanks and just spewing it back out. Spewing it back out as if they're all on the same page. Why? Because they have nothing else. If they don't have these fake talking points, if they don't have this malicious attempt to, you know, skew the image of the president, uh, you know, hide and obfuscate his successes and, you know, minimize the actual emergencies that we have, then they're going to have nothing to talk about except for how awesome this country is becoming, how we are now top in, in, you know, in the, on the planet right now, our economy is rocking. People are more confident. People have more jobs. People are getting pay raises. Manufacturing is popping. Small businesses are popping. You know, education is being corrected, reformed. We're looking at all these aspects. We are holding people accountable. I mean, they can't talk about that because that makes it look like he's an awesome president (laughs) and they can't have that because you know Maddo would have a legit meltdown she would never state anything anything that makes it look like he accomplished something Venezuela how can they deny that socialism is a problem now what are they going to spin it that it's our fault 
Because if they were paying attention, like I've said before, and like I said in November, Venezuela is going to be a really hot topic. This is all about the petrodollar and maintaining this fiat currency. You can't have this fiat currency without a combatant, which is the petrodollar. Venezuela has the largest on the planet reserves of black gold and other minerals, actual gold. So they've got oil, gas, gold. Everybody wants a piece of Venezuela. Because Venezuela was tucked away in socialism to be controlled by these deep state cronies, by these globalists, to be tapped into as they wish. I mean, Blumenthal knows a lot about this, doesn't he? Because he had a lot of business down there. So did Pelosi. So did all these Democrats that became multi-millionaires off of buying bonds. So this is the real news. These are the facts. And this is what's really going on. I mean, yesterday we got hardly any coverage about the Secretary General meeting with the press. Hardly any. It's huge because I can't wait for us to pull out of NATO. Stop paying because nobody else is paying. We do not need them. We have a great military. We don't need anybody. We don't need to pay you to get our back. You need to be paying us because we have your back. That's the way it goes. Not a lot of coverage on that, was it? Now, if you remember two days ago, I talked about healthcare and how that would help him win 2020. But like I also demonstrated, it's a huge monster because you will, the only way I see it is that we need to cut out the middleman, which is insurance. And the president um, tweeted out actually this morning that he was never planning to vote prior to the 2020 election on the wonderful health care package that some very talented people are now developing for me and the Republican Party. It will be on full display during the election as, as a much better and less expensive alternative than Obamacare. Now, I don't know how I feel about that. Okay, I really don't, because if we have another implemented health care control because they're convincing him that this is the only way we have access to statistics to help the CDC, help development, help, you know, proponents, it's wrong. It's completely wrong. There are other avenues in order for our country to be able to uh, pour our federal tax money, which all of us would wholeheartedly agree, into uh, furthering medical research on on many fronts. So, you know, uh, I keep saying, you know, I hate that. (laughs) So basically, what we need to do is ensure that he's got a good plan. Well, he's he's looking to make sure that it's a good plan, not socialistic, right? We don't like socialism. Uh, so he's going to be working on that. Now, today, he also tweeted um, in regards to the health care plan that it will be a great campaign issue for many people that are running again, right? And he says he never asked Mitch McConnell for a vote before the election, as has been incorrectly reported, as usual, by the New York Times, but only after the election, when we take back the House, etc. And Republicans always support pre-existing conditions. He's making that note because, you know, for some reason, people are assuming that pre-existing conditions uh, are not going to be included. And the thing is, pre-existing conditions, if um, the way I explain the bare bones of 
fixing healthcare, which is removing the middleman, wouldn't even be an issue. Nobody cares what your pre-existing condition is because it's all a cart. Uh, it's fixed price and you get help. The only subsidies that I would see is for those that are, that have terminal or chronic diseases that may need assistance, uh, from the government if they are unable to afford that or possibly have, um, some time, type of aid for those of our citizens and fellow neighbors and community members that are forced to be on, you know, medications chronically or children that have diabetes should have access to like ports, you know, so they don't have to inject themselves all the time. Give them the latest technology. And this is how we develop and advance in medicine by pouring money into research like this to help those that suffer the most. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. I mean, I'll be bold enough to put down my little presentation thing and send it off and say, what do you think of this? I think everybody's wrong. Maybe we should just get rid of insurance. I mean, all of us could try. All of you can write a letter um, to to the president and say, hey, take a look at this. I think this is a better idea. Uh I don't know all the inner workings, but from a macro perspective, seems to work. So healthcare will be talking points that people will use uh, during the 2020 elections from what the president is telling us. And we do know that we're getting back the house because 2020 is going to be insane. We're going to be seeing a lot of people actually being arrested that are in the house right now as active members of the house, as active senators. So those seats will be empty. Though, like I said months and months ago, the only candidate that we need to be careful of is Yang. You know, Bernie Sanders is raising all this money, but if you guys open up your web pages and you have those streaming, you know, news things, somehow Andrew Yang is at the top of that page. And it's not Beto and it's not Bernie Sanders. Beto raised a bunch of money within like a week. Kamala Harris did too. Are you hearing anything about that? No, they are there just to fund the DNC. I've said it. And Bernie Sanders may not be the candidate of choice for the DNC, no matter even if he has the majority, because if so, you know, he has that scar on his eye and we all know what happens. There's like a ticking time bomb with that scar where McCain had the same scar a year before he passed. I'm just pointing it out, just pointing it out. Could be nothing, but you know, we're here to ask questions. We're here to make speculations, you know, speculate on things so that way we can see them coming and have our ears and eyes open, right? That's the whole point of evaluating current events is to ask these questions and pose these, hmm, what if? So that way we can get to the bottom of what's going on because obviously we can't rely on our media we can only go off by what the president said oh and by the way the president yesterday was tweeting about puerto rico now before i forget i had published an article last year um in regards to puerto rico and how uh, the, the Puerto Rican mayor's offices were raided. There were a lot of people raided because it was so horrific. Uh, I'll get into a little bit of that because it kind of ties into Flint. And you're going to be like, what, Flint, Michigan? Yes, because he made a point. He said they've gotten 91, what, not, like an insane amount of money, more money than any other entity has received in aid after a disaster and complained about it. Now, if the president is complaining about it on Twitter and he's talking about it, on Twitter, you better make sure that something's coming down from that because the raids that happened in San Juan happened 
over a year ago, right? And during the hurricane, a lot of raids were happening. A lot of things were discovered. So if it's coming to the forefront now, we're possibly seeing some sealed indictments popping on this. So it'll be very, very interesting to watch. Now, uh, that's something that I talked about yesterday as well. So, you know, it's not new news, this Puerto Rico thing. I saw a lot of people, you know, um, sending me my article and sending me uh, the True Pundit's article. And I'm like, dude, check the date. It's not this year. It happened last year where, you know, that leaked that they uh, raided the office of San Juan, of the mayor of San Juan. They have a lot of testimony from witnesses from what I gather in regards to how they operated, how the funds were used and how they were expended. And remember, these raids happened right after uh, the hurricane struck. So it was more so to determine why they weren't ready, why this chaos happened. So we have new investigations that have ensued after the fact to determine where all this money went because infrastructure has not been revamped. Uh, There's still issues and also they're finding that they're asking for more money. So it's like, how do you need more money? Are you not spending it correctly? And I think from what I'm, I'm looking at, okay, you know how it went down in Texas with these fraudulent contracts? We're really cracking down on cities and states that are abusing emergency um, management uh, services, FEMA, HUD, CDBG, and NDR funds. So there's a huge crackdown on abuse of federal funding in the form of grants or aid. So stay tuned on that one with Puerto Rico. Um, before I, I break, I just want to leave this with you, how it ties into Flint. Remember when we found a tarmac full of water for aid? Well, something similar was discovered in Flint, Michigan. And it's raising a lot of eyebrows to see what really went on in Flint. I'll see you all in just a few. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr. and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our legal defense fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switch to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it. But we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855 700 2978 855 700 2978 855 700 2978 That's 855 700 2978 Guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam 
Sounds great, right? Even better, your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease. If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Sleep Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code REDSTATE. That's one 800 961-9194 promo code red state put sleepless nights behind you with my pillow the most comfortable pillow you will ever own for the best night's sleep in the whole wide world visit mypillow.com Welcome back to the second half of the first hour of the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Remember, you can always find me here Monday through Friday, 12 to 2 Eastern Time on your local airwaves and online and through our free Red State Talk radio app. And don't forget, um, I always upload my live shows so you can subscribe to those and listen to them as a podcast. So what I was uh, discussing before the break was how Puerto Rico has been caught in some scheme if the president is talking about it. And that should be coming to fruition in no time. Because one thing uh, people have to understand is that when the president is asking questions or directing attention to something, it's because it's already done. Like, for example, if I file an open records request or if I ask a question to someone of authority, that could be from a senator, a congressperson, the administration, the State Department, you know, uh, an auditor, anything, I already know the answer. I'm waiting for you to confirm or deny what I've seen or received as evidence. I never come at you to give you the opportunity to obfuscate. And you know what? Actually, I do. Because when people ask questions, people think, oh, they want to find out how do we shred this? How do we get rid of this? That's not it. If I'm asking a question, just like the president, if he's talking about it, this is how you operate when you're dealing with corrupt people. You already have the answer. You already have everything you need. So bottom line is, one, they either admit to it and provide you the evidence that they should have provided or provide you the information that you've requested or two, they mitigate. And when they come back to you with nothing or ignore your request and you kindly respond again and again, that's when you go to your federal government and ask the Department of Justice or the according department, that could be HUD, FEMA, 
HHS, whatever it may be, and say, look, I've asked for this. I know it's there. Uh, You know, if you haven't sourced it in a right way where you could get in trouble, you know, if you're not a reporter, I would suggest you get with a reporter because reporters can conceal and use sources without revealing them. So for me, who wears my journalist hat, uh, when I ask questions, it's because I've already received the answers and I can tell them from anonymous sources. I see it here. It was on this database. This person signed it on this date and this happened or this conversation ensued here, time and place. So I get as specific as I can and then I nail them to the wall. This is exactly what the president does. He's not stupid. He knows what he's up against. He knows exactly what he's up against. People that will throw roadblocks in his path so he doesn't have access to demonstrate just how corrupt they are. And the thing is, when you're throwing roadblocks, that means you're destroying evidence. And if you're destroying evidence or you're not complying with uh, open records requests or FOIA requests, then you're breaking the law. And we can see that from Judicial Watch. They're amazing. They're filing left and right. Oh, you don't want to give it to me? All right, I'm suing you. And then the court has to say, hey, you need to give it kind of like they did with the Parkland shooting. Broward County was like, this is an ongoing investigation. We're not, uh, 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 uh. The only time the police can refuse to give you information is only when they have ironclad legal backing that it's actually part of the active, active, that it would impede the investigation. So if you ask a question like, what are the names of the sheriffs or officers that appeared at the Parkland shooting first? Can't tell you it's an ongoing investigation. Uh, no. See, that won't impede your investigation. Those are names. That's of public interest. You need to give it, right? That's the way it goes. Hey, so you said you got a call about the shooting. Who called you? Can't tell you that's an active investigation. How is it active when they called 911 and it's public record? These are little, little things that people should know and arm themselves with that knowledge. I mean, the Miami Herald sued Broward County and the court said, dude, you got to give them what they ask for. You can't say you're not going to give witness testimony. You need to give it to them. But it's part of the nobody cares. The investigation, you got a suspect. They're going to trial. You have to provide it. They're in trial now. So they have discovery. They have access to this. Why aren't you giving it? That's how stuff works. So on that note, I want us to remember how it was reported that this, uh, you know, how they found that there was contaminated water in Flint. I want us to just listen to this clip quickly so you can understand just how things are unfolding. Of proportions, lead in the water supply in Flint, Michigan. People breaking out in rashes, losing hair. The doctor who sounded the alarm was ignored, but not anymore. ABC's Alex Perez is following the investigation in Flint tonight. It was supposed to be a moment of triumph. Cheers erupted as the then mayor of Flint, Michigan, officially turned off the water feed from Detroit. Here's the plant. And began pulling its supply from the local Flint River. Little did they know that this cost-cutting move would have devastating consequences. Chief from the Detroit water, but at what cost? Yeah. Everybody's health, people dropping over dead, getting sick. Clean water! Now, almost two years later, Flint is in a state of federal emergency. Our children should not have to be worried about 
the water that they're drinking in American cities. And that's not something that we should accept. President Obama releasing $80 million in aid to Michigan to help Flint repair its water infrastructure as National Guards continue to cart in thousands of bottles of water and filters. But on that day, back in April of 2014, as the mayor pressed the button, no one knew what they had put into action. Just weeks after the switch, complaints began pouring in about the discolored and foul-smelling water running from the taps. And there were the mysterious ailments. You can see in these photos of two-year-old Sincere Smith, who had become the face of this public crisis, suffering from severe rashes, hair loss. At the time, his mother had no idea what it was. And she was not alone. My son Jordan, he's been in the ER twice, early summertime with the rash all over his body from the water. Today we went in for high fever, cramping, sore throat. Mothers like Brandy Luck were starting to turn up at emergency rooms all over Flint. And this is Jaden. Jaden was seen today for a severely sore throat, very swollen, very red. Longtime residents Jacob Uhrek and his wife had taken to bathing their young children with bottled water. You hear of all these legionaries disease or uh, the dermatitis, all, all these different things that are happening more and more frequently and uh, nobody's accountable. Uh, no one's been prosecuted, no one's, no one's served a penalty for this except for the people of the city of Flint. For almost two years, complaints from the city of 100,000 residents went unanswered. But independent test results were beginning to provide a chilling answer. High levels of lead in the water. So lead is an irreversible neurotoxin. Once it is in your body, the damage is done. Dr. Mona Hanna-Atisha, director of pediatrics at the Hurley Medical Center in Flint, was one of the first to sound the alarm. And what we noticed was that after the water switch, um, the percentage of children with elevated blood lead levels doubled in the entire city of Flint, and then in some neighborhoods it actually tripled. But when she released her findings in September of 2015... Right away we, we were attacked. We were told we were wrong, that we were unfortunate researchers, that we were causing near hysteria. Two weeks later, officials could no longer ignore the signs and officially declared the water unsafe. And this week, the fallout, as over 270 pages of internal emails and documents came to light. It's a damning look into how officials ignored blatant warning signs. The emergency order was yesterday. Some of those signs were uncovered by this man, EPA investigator Miguel Del Toro. I never imagined that, that this would happen in the first place. All right. So now that we got like a little insight for these, you know, first three minutes, I want you guys to pay attention to how this report was put. This was from ABC News. It showed how what happened after it was declared. They got like a bunch of money, 80 million dollars. Right. And remember how proud they were that they were switching to something more natural. The river. It was going to be less. They wouldn't have to pay for fancy water treatment plants. Uh, it would cut costs, you know, really. It, you know, when you want to test something, right, you do it under the guise of something very positive. When you hear your city or your state telling you this is going to be a great switch, this is going to help us, this is going to make us money, that's where you should sound the alarm. 
And what's even more alarming is, is that in Michigan, they actually have laws disallowing people, and I'm stating this because in my state, it's actually uh, it passed through the House to see communications between legislators and state officials. These people knew what was going on, and this doctor was coined crazy. You should see some of the clips. What they were saying about her. She's crazy. She's a conspiracy theorist. It went on and on. Unfortunate researchers. Yeah, your data skewed. We don't want that. Why? This is how you can see how quickly you can obfuscate or how quickly switches like this will cause damage to your population. And, you know, people can say, well, that's a stretch. Well, how else do you check things. Of course they went to Flint, Michigan. Flint, Michigan, high in poverty, high in crime. Who's going to listen to them? And they didn't. They let it go on for two full years. Not only that, we see a repeat type behavior that we saw in San Juan. You know, the mayor of you know, San Juan, the way Puerto Rico was handled again, what was their main issue? Water. And, you know, in my city, that's a problem, too. They had received a bunch of money before the flood, and that was never applied to water treatment plants. That was never applied to protect the water treatment plant so that the Mouse River doesn't contaminate the water. And when this flood happened, there are still people today, because that flood happened in 2000, that are sick because the water was contaminated and no one is being held responsible. This happens all the time. And like I said, if the president is talking about it, the hammer is coming down. If the president is talking about it, the hammer is coming down. So here's what was discussed, and we'll take a look into that more. Just uh, a couple of days ago, here's a one-minute clip of a news report. Take a listen to what happened in Flint just five days ago. A mystery that sparked outrage online is now solved. Some Flint, Michigan residents were angry, to say the least, when they found a stockpile of bottled water in an abandoned building. According to reports, there were hundreds, if not thousands, of cases of water. Well, the problem with this find is, during the height of the city's water crisis, bottled water became a hot commodity in Flint, and it still is. So when video of the wasted water made rounds online, people were shocked and upset. The group that housed the water says a pipe burst inside the building causing those bottles to sit in sewer water. And because the contaminated bottles couldn't be donated, they didn't know how to dispose of them. So they left them in the empty building. Flint is currently in the process of replacing all its lead pipes, but that's not expected to be complete until later this year. Okay, so key words here. First, they're, they're explaining why they didn't provide uh, this stockpiled water. And according to certain Discord groups that I'm in uh, for the state of Michigan, because like I said, I have my eyes and ears almost everywhere, and I have keyword <laughs> alerts too, is that there's more of these sites. 
that are being muffled. You know, yesterday with Scott Adams, we talked about how, uh, you know, gruesome murders, gruesome discoveries, appalling things that happened in little cities or forgotten towns or states that nobody wants to talk about just go swept under the rug and you don't hear about it. But these people have found stockpiled water everywhere. So they excuse this one to be submerged in sewage. But if you look at the pictures, I don't see that. But anyway, you see a bunch a bunch of water just stockpiled and people were outraged because they needed this water. And, you know, they're sitting there telling people, oh, well, I'm not sure if the water that they found in that old school was part of the 2016 delivery. This is how nefarious they are and how distracting they are. Oh, we don't, we don't know if that's okay, but Flint's water quality has improved um, even though they still have a boil order, right? Now, if you listen to that report, the key word was they're replacing their lead pipes. Really? Because it wasn't the lead pipes that, that actually did the damage. It was the lead that was found in the water, not outside, like from the river, Right lead pipes probably escalated it probably the cost and you know if you look around the nation right now in many little city councils even mine water quality is a question that's coming into effect even my little city totally nobody paid attention to the fact that they claim that hydrosulfide is actually causing corrosion to the drinking water pipes but no one sounded the alarm where is this you know hydrosulfide coming from sewage decay or did they run drinking water pipelines through a pocket of natural gas these are all things that are swept under the carpet you know cost efficiency comes first and that's something that our president doesn't tolerate you don't do it at the expense of the health and welfare of the citizens of the united states and the mayor of puerto rico the people at Flint, Michigan, still not held accountable. I mean, where is this mayor? You guys knew about it. You were talking about it. Have they stood trial? No, they have not. This is something that will be revisited before 2020 because success in holding those accountable that have caused so much pain and suffering to citizens is how you win elections. By holding those accountable. And when you see how well connected, you know, San Juan's mayor, the Flint mayor, and all of them are to the Democrats. And ask them where that $80 million in aid that President Barack Hussein Obama provided them. Can they account for it? I don't know. We have to see what the OIG says. Because these are things that are pending. Who done it? Why'd you make the switch? Did you check the, I mean, wouldn't you check to see if your pipes would add to the lead content already in the river? You wouldn't you check that before you make the switch and so happily push the button to kill your citizens and cost them chronic issues with their health? Of course you would. That's what a responsible person would, would do. But someone that wanted to come to the point where they receive this aid to do whatever it is to do with it. I mean, we're talking three years later and $80 million and they haven't replaced the pipes. Is that what they're telling us? Dumbfounded they were when people are discovering these things because people are waking up. This is a movement. This is the great awakening where people are realizing those that are challenging the establishment making noise are the most hated 
They are the ones that are being shut down and attacked every single day. Why? Because you are not allowed to question authority. You must bow down to this government of God that will give you the answers when they see fit. This is the growing status. This is how people respond across the nation that have no objectivity that have no drive to take control of their destiny, their childhood, their neighbors, their communities. They don't care. They just want to exist. There is no motivation to succeed. Why? Why should you succeed when you could just be fed to sit there and just exist? This is all coming out. The way that they are droning us and, 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 and creating zombies of citizens that cannot function without being spoon-fed information. They're even training these citizens to attack those that question the authority or the underlying reasons or drive behind these. You know, when I raise the question as to why would my house add marital rape exclusion to a bill that would allow a woman who was a victim of a rape to terminate the rights of the rapist. Why would you put a marital exclusion? You know, that was quickly removed with all the noise, and I was so glad to have contributed to that. Why? Why? Why did you put that? Why did you feel the need you had to slot it in? That's the question. Because we never propose something or just throw it out there without any thought process or motivation behind it. It's kind of like uh, someone saying, well, you know, Tori, why are you exposing, uh, you know, Pelosi's, you know, possible skin in the game with the human and child trafficking through her container companies? How's that going to benefit you? It's going to benefit me by removing her from that seat and slotting in someone that's for America, for Californians, for her district that is not bought and sold and has a moral compass. That's my motivation. See, there it is. Why would you go and point out this? Because my motivation is this. This is how people operate. You never make a statement. You never put something in there without having an underlying motivator, right? And in the case of the marital rape exclusion, it's usually lobbies. It's those, uh, it was uh, the the person that actually introduced it is in a district that's highly what? Populated with what? Sharia compliant refugees. And not only that, the Catholic services, you know, claiming, uh, you know, and, and proud of it, that marriage means that the husband owns the wife. Like this is reality. And obviously they don't want that coming to you know, fruition or to the public's eye or for people to hear it and say it and breathe it. So they're like, okay, we'll just take out the amendment. Let's just leave it at that. And they smiled about it. That's because the question is why people hate people that say, why, 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 right? How many times? And isn't it an old, well, in the past, in the past, when you used to go to school, what did the teachers say? There's never a dumb question. Always ask. Ask why. Question everything, right? That is one of the best pieces of advice anyone can give a child. Always contest. Always ask why. Always challenge everything. Everything someone gives you and says, well, yeah, we're going to put this marital. Why? Mm. 
and they come up with the dumbest reasons that have nothing to do with the original reason as to why it was introduced. Like you hear stupid things like, well, they're a parent, uh, but they're a rapist. Well, we have to think of the child, but how is the child going to function with the mom being a victim of rape and having to deal with her rapist? Um, yep, got me there. That's basically how conversations go. And then you find the underlying reason of why something is introduced always. Kind of like I called to the carpet two of my, you know, um, a representative and two house members, uh, you know, why did you want, why did you pass and support a bill that excludes communications between legislators and state officials? If you're such a proponent of transparency and you believe in Reaganism and, you know, more power to the people, the excuses were lame. It's not like you're going to email, you know, your water commissioner. Hey, I'm going to go do yoga today. Hey, I had a fight with my wife. You shouldn't be doing that anyway. Why don't you just text them on your own phone, not a government-owned one? That's the thing. They don't want you seeing these communications. This is how they collude. This is how they uncovered the corruption in Flint. And still no one has been accounted, held accountable yet. Yet. Because remember, now we have a president that says accountability is key, transparency is key. And remember, if we don't call them to the carpet, no one will. You expect someone to come out? Yeah, those that come out are usually the ones attacked. You know, yesterday they were pushing that story. Oh my gosh, breaking news. Ilhan Omar is being investigated for using her money to try and divorce her brother. Um, Laura Loomer reported that totally last year. She reported that last year. Totally. We're even on it where she used federal and tax dollars for a campaign party. Still waiting on that, right? But we're going to break that because that actually happened and we have the evidence of it. But see, the news doesn't want to tell you that until it's time that Omar served her purpose. Let's get rid of her. People don't tell you that. They obfuscate because they don't want you to know the truth. Because if people wanted you to know the truth, then they wouldn't drive populations and droves of people with fake commentaries and fake statements, you know, to hate you. I mean, this woman is constantly fighting for people that are constantly fighting her. That's just one. That's just one. Um, Before I head over to the break, I just wanted to say something more local, but, you know, it probably happens everywhere. There's like this little town called Linton in Linton, North Dakota. There was a mayor, totally a constitutional guy, solid, wanted to fix corruption. He was actually elected. He was very um, docile when he was running, but when he got in, he started to fire people, hold people accountable, try to fix the economy because there are millions and millions in debt as a city. And guess what they did? They harassed him and his family to the point that he's like, I am resigning because my family and I cannot take this harassment. Cyber harassment. Harassment to his children. This is how they operate they're disgusting because they chased out the only person trying to help them and fighting for them where was his police department to enforce criminal harassment laws if you're not enforcing the law you are an accomplice to the crime and that's the way the law sees it i'll see you all in just a few
Welcome to Red State Talk Radio. You're listening to Tori Says for the next hour. I'll be your host, Tori. We'll be discussing news, foreign and domestic, unfiltered news. Real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the second half of the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Remember, I'm always here Monday through Friday, 12 to 2 Eastern Time on your local airwaves and online. Uh, you can stream us through our uh, app. We have a free Red State Talk radio app. And you can always say, okay, Google play red state talk radio and if that's activated your phone or your google home i apologize so we were talking about all these corruption schemes cover-ups which are endless they are manifesting across our nation and uh, I want to talk about the Mandan Massacre. So many of you have been digging and digging. I appreciate every single cyber soldier out there that has been sending me tips. Every single person, you know, in my local community and in my state sending me emails. I mean, guys, these people are sending me emails constantly because they feel that they will be attacked by their own if they speak. Their media will not ask questions. I mean, they were asking questions like, was this an April Fool's joke gone wrong? Like, who asks that? But anyway, we'll talk about that in the last half hour as we um, kind of take this half hour and the beginning of the next to just talk about what's really coming. All right. I want to give you guys uh, a view of what's to come when I say April showers. Uh, so before we get to that, I want to just give a few minutes to the tweet the president sent out three hours ago saying Congress must get together and immediately eliminate the loopholes at the border. If no action, border or large sections of the border will close. This is a national emergency. Now, I've been working on something that has just been such a deep, deep dive that I need to kind of section it out. But the Democrats and organizations funded by the Democrats are literally colluding with Mexican authorities to make this a crisis, to force our president to expand this catch and release program. Remember four weeks ago when I said that Mexico has done a great thing about giving, uh, you know, supposedly right? And if it's actually done, because we know anyone can be bought. Everyone has a price. I mean, their former president was paid, what, $100 million from El Chapo, right? So obviously someone in the immigration department for Mexico can be bought to obfuscate and conceal. But the laws that the new president put forward was, if you're an illegal immigrant, you are obliged within so much time to present yourself to an immigration unit and get yourself an immigration idea. I tweeted that out a couple of days ago. And there have been people working 
and pushing the idea that, hey, since they've already screened these people and did background checks and got their biometrics, we should just let them in and catch and release because they've already been documented by Mexico. Remember when I said that? That was like four to six weeks ago. This is exactly what's happening now. So I'm just pointing out just how easily you can predict what they're doing with who they're speaking with and what's going on and how it's developing. So the border crisis is huge, very huge. But you have to think to yourself, how do senators and congresspersons get away with this? I mean, you know, this is where people that consider themselves, oh, I'm rational and I am so smart. I know best, you know, those people. If it was true, they'd be in jail. If it was true, it would be on CNN. You know, those people, right? (laughs) Well, here's how it works. In order to be able to prosecute or arrest an individual of the Senate or Congress, you have to have ironclad evidence. You know, you never get them on something that they're actually doing. It's kind of, you know, mobsters, right? None of them went to jail for selling drugs, bootlegging, bootlegging, or, you know, money laundering or murder. They went to jail for tax evasion, right? Because they couldn't prove that they killed that person or issued that hit, right? They couldn't. So you go around and find evidence that would show neglect or purposely doing something. Kind of like what I hinted out to that mayor in Linton is, man, you should file a lawsuit against, uh, you know, with the Department of Justice. And, you know, complain that, um, you know, the police department of the city of Linton were co-conspirators because none of them pressed any cyber harassment or criminal harassment charges because what this guy went through was criminal harassment. Criminal. It's ugly, disgusting trailer park people that have nothing better to do with their life but obsess and given orders by those above, you know, to just maliciously attack people. Really ugly, disgusting people, really. And, um, but how do you prove it? Well, you prove it by them not executing their duties, right? Or not taking things seriously when they should have. Or, or, or. So there's a lot. So how do we do it with the Senate? Well, we already know that there were a lot of leaks during the investigation, right? So if you get, if the, which we already have, we already know who leaked what and who's leaking where. So knowingly leaking information to the press is an issue, especially when it's classified. This is why we're going to win the House. They will be forced to resign knowingly providing false information from a position of authority kind of like someone doesn't like you let's pretend i don't know let's wild example you're in nebraska and the attorney general of nebraska doesn't really like you so he goes and files a lawsuit with knowingly false information tell me is that illegal yes it is but you have to prove it that they knew it and if you can you win so can we knowing can we prove that they knowingly provided false information? Yes, we can. And if they say, well, it wasn't false information because so and so told me, then that so and so goes to jail. Do you see where I'm getting at? All these people, like pencil neck shiffy full of shiffy, you know, Pelosi, Clapper, Brennan, all of them, 
But like I've said for a couple weeks now, the main prize is the commander-in-chief of this Russia collusion. The guy that knew everything, the guy that had meetings with the FBI almost on a daily basis being briefed. You want impeachment? You're going to see impeachment, but it's going to be the impeachment of 44. Because nothing goes on in your house without knowing about it. You were the point person to receive information on how's it going. You signed off those checks for them to fly to London and pay these people. Let's not forget how your personal attorney was paying Fusion GPS. Perkins Coy, right guys? Oh, not only that, they were also, you know, defending Hillary Clinton in the email investigation. And they were also on the books attorney for the DNC. Let's not forget about that. So here's the really, really, really key point. President Barack Hussein Obama knew everything that was going about this fake dossier that they were putting together. Knew that his Department of Justice and his FBI and his intelligence agents mobilized global assets, global intelligence agencies and officials of foreign nations to create this dossier. He knew it. And with that knowledge that he is creating opposition research or an insurance policy, just in case President Trump is elected, he's also campaigning for Hillary Rodham Clinton. Not only that, his wife is campaigning for her when she's too sick to go. When have you ever seen a sitting president campaign for one that is running. You never, ever do that. That's one. Number two, when have you ever seen a sitting president orchestrate and pretty much put together an insurance policy against a presidential candidate? He orchestrated it. He put it together He was the point guy. He needed to know everything that was going on. His FBI director, his AG, his head of his DNI, CIA, you name it. They were there and they were on the books telling him his lawyers. This is what the legacy of President Barack Hussein Obama is. He didn't want Donald Trump to win. He didn't want to not pass the torch on to Hillary Clinton. He did everything in his power to make that happen and still lost. He even used people within the opposition's party, you know, the Republican Party, to help put this together. You know how the media is like, well, it was a Republican hit. No, it was an establishment hit. Because the Republican Party is just as bad as the Democratic Party back then. Today, it's a little bit reshaped. We actually have patriots in office as well. But think of it this way. Could you imagine that we have a president that was knowingly and willfully advocating, advising, you know, pushing and making it over, you know, overwhelming to literally help overthrow the government. Someone who 
advocates to overthrow the government willfully and knowingly. That is a crime. A crime. And this is the same thing with Linton, right? Here's where it's a crime. If you organize a society or group to push and encourage the destruction of a government by force of violence, harassment, falsifying information, you are actually ineligible to even work for the government again. So when these communications come to fruition, where people have communicated on how to overthrow our government, our election, on any level, but let's talk about this level, they no longer have the right to be employed by the United States of America or any department or agency thereafter. None. If there's more than one person that conspires to commit such an offense, it'll be fined under this title, 2385, advocating to overthrow the government. This is federal law. And imprisoned not more than 20 years or both and fined, right? And shall be again ineligible for employment by the United States or any department or agency thereof for five years next following the conviction. So when you refer to organizing or organize, it's a society or group or an assembly of persons recruiting new members, forming new units and regrouping the expansion of existing club classes and other units. <laughs> so let's break it down to a really dumb level. Let's pretend we're talking about the cyber and criminal harassment groups of this mayor in Linton, North Dakota. Was that advocating to overthrow a government of a state, territory, or district in possession thereof serving under the flag of the United States of America? Yes, it is. Did they recruit new members by telling them, you have to hate this person? You know what they did? This, 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 this. Trust me, come join. Let's harass them. Get their pictures. Go follow them. See what they're talking about. Look who they're talking to. Follow them around. Take pictures of their kids. Let's do this. And they organized. That is actually a federal crime. Federal crime. Federal crime. So I'm taking it down on the down level. Can you guys see how this happened in D.C.? How many people were emailing in January of 2017, colluding together to overthrow and stymie, stymie the inauguration of the president of the United States? Why are they still working for the United States of America? Have they been held accountable yet? Because they should. Every single person on that email that Judicial Watch released should be petitioned to be removed from the office of government under this section alone. But it's not going to happen now. And some of this has already happened. But imagine how many emails we have with senators, members of the House, communicating and recruiting others, canvassing, you know, for votes or support that advocated knowingly to overthrow the government. And this is what's fun. Because when you're in office, you are held to a higher standard. Trolls and disgusting people, liberals, brainless people, miserable people, they get recruited to overthrow or stymie or cause uh, political, you know, intervention, you know, for uh, campaigns. You know, they're low level. They get a maximum of just 20 years, but they're also barred from ever working 
in the United States government. But when you are a government official, it's a big deal. First of all, you're forced to resign. Forced to resign. Secondly, everyone below you will cascade a brrt of you're fired, you're being held accountable, charge, 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 charge. This is what's coming. This is what's taking so long because we need that. We need to demonstrate this. This is how you take them. This is how you take the house down. This is how you regain the house. You get them with this because this is law. This is federal criminal law. And it's going to come out very soon. It's coming out already. (laughs) I mean, look at the testimony. This weekend, I'm going to sit and compare the transcripts that have all been released by our amazing Doug Collins and see where the commonalities and where the discrepancies are. Bill Priestop, really smart guy. When they asked him if people knew about things or what he thought about, did you think, you know, did they know? Yes, yes, yes. Or no, no, no. When it came to President Barack Obama, he's like, um, I don't know. Everyone else was a yes or no, but to him it was like, mm, I don't recall. Vague answer. Curious, right? Just on that. I'm telling you impeach 44 is what's going to win us 2020. Because how can you not start impeachment processes? This is why Barack Hussein Obama was in the Capitol meeting with their new, you know, newly appointed congresspersons. Hey, you're safe. The other guys are going, so I need you to continue our project. You get it? This is why they met. What do you think? I'm proud of you, Rashida. You said impeach them. Beep, beep, beep. Yeah, you you do that, girl. You go. Ilhan, you keep pushing that, you know, division. You tell people how it's awesome and you're empowered and it's not God that tells you to wear the hijab, but you do it yourself. You go, girl. You go push that socialism like nobody's business. Push it like your life depends on it, Ocasio, because it really does, because Pelosi doesn't like you, because you're the face of the party and she's not, and she should be because she has the gavel. She's jealous. This is what he was doing. He was grooming the new Democrats that have entered. These freshmen, you are the future of the Democrat Party. They're all going down, and I know that, so I'm empowering you with all this burden. You need to carry out and follow through. Do you see that? This is what they did. This is the plan. What people don't see is what goes on in the background. They're too busy looking at their own feet. They're too busy picking out their next backsplash to see just how they are stealing their freedom right under their nose. Stealing their freedom. I mean, at Chicago, there was a win, right? Because Prepwinkle didn't get in. She didn't get elected. Her deep connections with the Obamas, her, you know, this Jussie Smollett totally threw the election for her. She's corrupt as they come. She didn't win. Well, they got the first gay black female mayor. Man, do you know how many people hate that woman because she speaks? She's actually middle of the road centrist. She's not a crazy liberal. She's not a right wing person. She's middle of the road and level headed and said, you're all fired. I need to fix this. My city is in disarray and you're all going to, you know, I hope she lasts. The only way she lasts is if Democrats get removed from the House and Senate because she might end up like the Linton mayor. She might end up on a Clinton body count. This is how they operate. 
This is how they operate. They need full control, not you. They need to dictate to you who's allowed to speak, who's not allowed to speak. Oh, and by the way, thank you, President Trump. He retweeted portions of his first act, act, uh, first act uh, speech. I'm going to play that little portion because I want to talk about that. You guys know how excited I was for that law and how important it was um, that he push it. And, and I'll use the last five minutes of this half hour to talk about it. Let me just play this clip for you. We're also proud to have with us on stage five more Americans who have been released under the First Step Act and transformed their lives. And that includes Gregory Allen. Where's Gregory? Gregory. Hi, Gregory. (laughs) Mine is real short. Two months ago, I was in a prison cell, and I'm in the White House. That's, that's, That's continuing to make America great again. So let's talk about that for a second. First step back. Do you know why it's important? Okay. I've talked about this before, how uh, during the era of Bush 41 and then uh, melding over to the Clinton administration, there was a boost for privatizing prisons. And then there was a mass collection of low-level criminals. People that have gotten sentences, right, of 20 years for selling like two grams of cocaine. Why? Uh, because they wanted to sell so that they can sniff as well because they were addicts. Addicts are being thrown into prison for trying to make ends meet for their addiction, right? People are like, well, just go to rehab. It's not that easy. It is literally a, a, an issue, a psychiatric issue. It's actually a disease, a mental disorder. It is. It's been acknowledged now, but back then it wasn't. So we have our prison filled with people that have not been rehabilitated. Maybe they're not doing drugs, but they do drugs in in prisons. We all know that. They have been institutionalized and exposed to institutionalized crime. And then we release them. We open up the doors and we let them out into the public with no tools and no ability to reinstate themselves in society. This First Step Act is incredible. I mean, I'm for the fact of people of nonviolent crimes, and that, that means if you're a murderer, rapist, child trafficker, human trafficker, or megaton, you know, drug dealer, like 500 kilos or whatever, you deserve to have stronger penalties. But those that are low-level criminals, stole a car, stole a lipstick, did some drugs, smoked some weed, whatever it is, you know, ran with the wrong gang, you know, uh, stole diapers for the baby because they had no money, stuff like that. They shouldn't be in prison. They should be reformed, though. But how do you reform someone? By empowering them. So now we have educational systems implemented. People get degrees while they're there. They educate themselves. Great. But that's not good enough because at the bottom, at the end of the day, you and I are paying for their food, their clothing, their water, their health care, everything. Here's how I see it. If you are like that, and I saw this running through one of these groups that I'm in, it would be great if they collaborated with uh, local businesses, you know, in the area where the criminal is arrested to offer them employment. Say you have a drug addict, heroin, which is like one of the hardest drugs for people to come off of, right? One of the hardest. So you have a heroin addict. He gets caught with like five grams. He's pushing it because he wants to make money to have his own, right? 
and goes to jail. And, you know, third strike, you've been caught, you know, selling drugs in small portions. You're going to jail. You need rehab. Pay us, pay us, pay us. You know, they, they actually force drug addicts to pay. And these people have no job because they're drug addicts. So they can't pay or make it to these appointments. And then they go to jail again. I mean, it's like an endless cycle of just punishing them for being vulnerable and sick. So what do you do? You put them in a, you know, a good rehab program. And then after so many days, you start putting them in housing, which is, you know, controlled, but you send them to a job that could be, say you're in Washington. It could be on at Microsoft campus where they work as a janitor. They have an ankle monitor and they're monitored 24 seven drug tested, watched, monitored, and they work and they make a living wage and they buy clothes with that and they buy their food with that and they pay their way with that. The only thing we do is house them and restrict their entertainment. But we allow them to integrate with society. And if we believe that they need more time to fix their habit and their ways, you know, we keep them longer. They have a job now. They don't have to worry about it. They've saved money because they don't have to pay rent. We do. They don't have to pay for health care. We do. So they've saved money so that when you open the door and say, okay, you're free. You did your time. We rehabilitated you. We taught you these skills. We gave you a job. You've been working. Now you're clean. Go out to society and flourish. They even have money to pay rent. They can integrate with society because your mistakes are your badges and your, you can, you can choose to wear your mistake and your failures and your bad decision as a scar or a badge. If you wear it as a badge, it empowers you. You've learned something from that. You're like, damn it. Can't believe I did it. Thank God. You know, no one saw me take that candy bar. I will never do it again. I, I just thought I really, really needed that candy bar and I did it. This is how you rehabilitate people. By empowering them to not be in the same frame of mind as they were when they committed the crime. God bless Donald Trump for giving these people a hand up. See you all in a few. Hello, my fellow patriots. My name is Michael Flynn Jr. and I am the proud son of General Flynn. Your support of the last two years has been incredible and will never be forgotten. If you'd like to continue supporting General Flynn, you can donate to our Legal Defense Fund. Any donation is welcome. To donate, go to www.mikeflynndefensefund.org. Thank you and God bless America. How did you become addicted? A friend? Were you at a party and someone said, hey, try this? Then you got the cold sweats and started shaking. And the more you did it, the more it didn't work. So you switch to the needle. Now you're a train wreck. Drinking, drugging, broke. Your family hates you. And you hate you. Get out of your hell on earth now. Call the Detox and Treatment Helpline today for immediate help. In many cases, your insurance may cover the costs. We can't guarantee it. But we can guarantee we have what you need to change your life for the better. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 855 700 2978 855 700 2978 855 700 2978 that's 855 700 2978 guaranteed life insurance with no medical exam sounds great right even better your rates will never increase and benefits will never decrease 
If you're a U.S. citizen between 50 and 80, you can get life insurance guaranteed. It's not guaranteed in every state, and you may not qualify for every policy, but when you call, you'll speak with a licensed insurance company. They'll give you all the details about guaranteed life insurance. So call now, 1-800-707-1219, 1-800-707-1219. Hey, this is Leonora Cravota from Red State Talk Radio for My Pillow. I used to have trouble sleeping. My Pillow changed all that. I now fall asleep within moments of my head touching my pillow. That's how comfortable My Pillow is with its patented interlocking fill. My Pillow stays cool and does not go flat. Plus, it's machine washable and dryable. My Pillow has a 10-year warranty and a 60-day comfort guarantee. My Pillow is also the official pillow of the National Foundation, and it's made right here in the USA. My Pillow is now offering Red State Talk Radio listeners a four-pack special with two premium standard or queen pillows and two go-anywhere pillows. That's four pillows for the price of one. To take advantage of this special offer, call 1-800-961-9194 and ask for promo code Red State. That's 1-800-961-9194, promo code Red State. Put sleepless nights behind you with My Pillow, the most comfortable pillow you will ever own. Welcome back, everyone, to the last segment of the Tory Sess Show. Time went by really quick, and I was really excited to see the president remind me the one portion that I talked about in my first hour yesterday that unfortunately was an error, which was about the First Step Act. I just wanted to mention something before we get into the Mandan massacres that all of you are asking me to talk about. The person that is capable of dismantling corrupt organizations, corrupt cliques, and destroying them is the first person that they try to silence. And this is across the nation, not journalists. I'm not just referring to journalists, citizen journalists, whatever. But let's think about General Flynn. General Flynn knows everything. How many people have worked under General Flynn that are now private citizens? Tons. Those are the people you want to silence. Those are the people that you want to take down. And remember, what did I say? We are taking back the House in 2020. Why? Advocating to overthrow the government on any level. On any level. And this is why I'm referring back to that little city of Linton. Is criminal. When people organize and perpetuate knowingly false information to aggregate a community or a group to target a specific individual, that is a federal crime. And this is a hint to what's to come because this is how we're going to see them being held accountable. You leak information to the press, automatic resignation. We're going to see the house uh, be fleeced. This is why, again, I restate Barack Obama came in to empower the freshmen because they're clean. They didn't send any emails. They won't be caught, but they need to hold the torch for the Democrats that are really going down. So on that note, let's get to some local obfuscation and some horrific incidents that happened. You know, I reported it when it broke uh, live on air how four people were massacred. In a small suburb, I guess it's it's a city on its own, but it's on the outskirts of Bismarck. 
It's an uh, RJR uh, management and rental properties. It used to be like Bismarck Rentals or something like that, the company. Owned by uh, a couple, uh, Robert Fackler and... Uh, he is one of the deceased, and so are two, uh, three other employees, uh, a couple, uh, Lisa and Bill Cobb, and a gentleman by the name of Adam Fuhrer. These people had families, children, grandchildren. I mean, it's horrible. No matter who you are or what you've done, it's just horrific, right? And if you've done anything, right? Because the way this is unfolding is pretty, pretty creepy, and it's very strange, very strange. It is something that isn't really taught. I mean, we have a lot of things that go undetected and unreported in the state of North Dakota like nobody's business. I refer back to the fact that the presidentially appointed U.S. Marshal for the state of North Dakota resigned on the 31st of December 2016 and no one reported it. This is on the heels because six weeks prior to that, his deputy marshal was charged with diddling with little kids in criminal court. No one's talking about it. Nobody knows where this guy Paul Ward is. And, you know, it's all mums the word. Well, here is exactly what's going on in Mandan. I have been calling and emailing every single person I know within uh, criminal investigations at the FBI to ask them why they're not involved. I'm not trying to throw any shade, but Mandan is a really small city. You know, when I think CSI, blood splatter, I I really don't think they have the capability. I'm not trying to insult or say, but you know, you're not used to that. You know, you, you, maybe you have the, the, the tools, maybe you have the training, whatever, but I'd feel more comfortable when there's four people being murdered like that. And it's so strange. They're claiming there was a medical call for medical assistance. And, you know, then you hear these archived recordings stating that someone was getting CPR and then the tone kind of changed. And it's like, yeah, cancel this, cancel that. There's more dead bodies. So were they in separate rooms? Uh, You know, who was getting CPR? Someone sent me a tip saying, oh, it was someone that saw it and fainted or had a heart attack because of what they saw. I mean, we don't even know what's going on. They're not saying anything. And, you know, a lot of people are so like, yeah, that's okay. We'll just wait for them. We trust them. Are you kidding? This is why we're in this mess in the nation because we trust them. And they're like, law enforcement is the best. And, you know, Every as as a citizen of the state, you know, I'm there. I'm like, I don't trust them. The police department has a chaplain that they investigated for luring minors through a computer and he didn't get charged and nobody talked about it. You think I trust them? So for me and, uh, you know, all of you that work together on this, and I, again, thank all of you out there, all my cyber soldiers out there that are providing me information. Like I've gotten a lot from you guys on the Chan board. I am so grateful for this because we wouldn't have, you know, an idea of what may be going on, right? Because it was discovered that Adam Fuhrer was actually a man that was raised by a convicted pedophile. His father was a convicted pedophile. 
His father was diddling, you know, usually these pedophiles, they get $150 fine for performing oral sex to a child throughout her life between the ages of four and 17. Are you kidding? What kind of, what kind of criminal accountability is that? This is insanity, right? You're like, nope, that doesn't, yes, it did. So this guy is in child trafficking uh, from information that some of you that I actually received on the, you know, little facet of the Chambord that we have uh, discussing the Native American underground, you know, how they're trafficking people. A lot of you had come up that he has connections with that. Um, You know, I don't know because it's all sketchy. Everything is sketchy. But the, the thing that we do know is, is that children that come from dysfunctional households in general, uh, you know, are more prone to be dysfunctional. You know, how they say single parent households, you know, the boys get into trouble, they go to jail. I mean, could you imagine being raised in a household with a pedophile that likes to diddle with little kids? Maybe he was diddled too. You know, there's people that diddle with kids too because they think it's normal in their mind, even though they know it's wrong, it happened to them, so it's okay to do it to someone else. This is the mentality of victims, right? Kind of like, you know, kids that are bounced from foster home to foster home, they they come out on the other end as adults feeling like society owns them, owes them, and this is why they commit crimes or do whatever they do because they feel like they're owed something, which they are. The community owes them, you know, a safe environment. Those are our children, and they're right in a sense not 100% right but they are right in a sense some people are stronger than others to be empowered by adverse conditions some people that are victims to being raped as children to being exposed to crime or drug addict parents or alcoholics are driven to stay away from that when they survive it others just succumb to it that's reality so when examining these four individuals that were slaughtered and doing a little bit of digging, what came out to be super strange was that the chief of police made a weird statement like RJR has been, you know, an exceptional what community respected in the community or something. Why would you say that? I mean, obviously they would say that because everybody who's in Mandown that has been providing me information has told me about the corrupt politics and how the police and good old boys club and all that stuff. But you know, that's hearsay, right? You have to prove it. I can tell you that they've had multiple live things on their Facebook page with the police and, you know, talking all friendly. But here's the reality of the actual property company. If you look at the reviews from disgruntled rentals, renters, you see they, they're, they're pretty much a slumlord. And people that are renting from them are, you know, uh, constantly communicating with me and feel free at Tori at Tori says.com. Send me an email with whatever you have. You can find me on Twitter and Gab at Tori underscore says they're coming to me with grievances of how their neighbors are criminals, how some of them have multi-state warrants, how many of them are, you know, protected by, uh, you know, the, the management, uh, for noise, for pollution, for heavy traffic going in and out of their apartments or, you know, odd happenings by storage units, break-ins, mold, it, you name it, it's there. Like it's all out there. These are, and the, and the weird thing is, is that if you go to the Google reviews, guys, if you see the responses that management is so sarcastic, so salty, so nasty, you know, it kind of gives you the feeling, man, these, the management, 
then the way they managed this was not a good way. But I mean, considering the people they were renting to, I mean, they're, um, the, they have a lot of contracts with these, uh, refugees that are coming, the ones that refuse to assimilate. Remember in Bismarck over a year ago, someone was slaughtering like a goat or a sheep out in the open in a driveway and people freaked out. Um, they're also to sex offenders, uh, to various people and they don't do background checks. They claim they do when they actually find people that have just had a hard, you know, life and they're renting, they kind of keep them away because they keep these slummy type people there. And what's really weird too and strange is that one of the TV channels, I think it was like KX News, did this video. You guys, I watched the video. Let me see if I can pull it up so I can play it for you. It was the strangest thing I had ever heard and seen. And just listening to it, you'll be like, what is going on here? It sounded like they were advertising the city. They were supposed to be asking residents how they feel about this massacre. And and I'm going to get to the more details, but I just want to give you guys how I see this strangeness. Just maybe you can listen to it. It's just so bizarre. Listen to this. Hold on. Let's play this. Many people are taken back by the horrific murders. KX News reporter Sanji Milburn spoke with residents today and how they're dealing with all of this. She joins us live. Hi, Sanji. Chad and Lauren, as residents send their condolences, people are in shock that this happened in their backyard, right off of one of the busiest streets in the city, Memorial Highway. A little over 24 hours, the city of Mandan was hit with a tragedy they never saw coming. Every once in a while there's a stabbing or something, but... Oops, sorry. Chad and Lauren, as residents send their condolences, I have to start it again. Sorry. That this happened in their backyard, right off of one of the busiest streets in the city, Memorial Highway. A little over 24 hours, the city of Mandan was hit with a tragedy they never saw coming. Every once in a while, there's a stabbing or something, but you just don't have something that happens as much as this. Okay, so first of all, this little old lady is like, yeah, so we have stabbings, at, you know, ever so often, but nothing as, like, as this. So crime, right? Normal. So here, here's where it gets even stranger. It's, it's, uh, it's sad. Four bodies were found at RJR Monday morning, and the business sits along a busy road with many attractions and businesses like Midway Lanes and several fast food restaurants. It's like a property management business. Uh, they lease out apartments, it seems like. I do know one person that works there. I used to work with him at my previous employment, and so... Yeah, it just kind of hits close to home. Yeah, I, I really feel sorry for the families. Many people say the unknown and the fact that no suspect is in custody is making them uneasy, while others say they are continuing to go about their daily routine. I'm always looking over my shoulder anyway. <laughs> so I've done that since I was in the Marine Corps. So. Now, the Mandan Police Department is asking anyone with additional information to come forward. And remember, this is a sensitive time, and officials ask if you can be thoughtful with the f- victims' families. Back to you, Chad and Lauren. So- okay, guys, did you hear that? Okay, so first of all, it is, this business is by a busy road with many attractions, like Midwood, Midway bowling lanes. Like, it was the strangest thing ever. And, yeah, I kind of work with one of them or related, whatever. Of course you are. There's, like, 10 
10 people in that city. I'm just saying that's an over-exaggeration, which is super small for someone like me that comes from a big city. It's like, okay, it was the strangest thing I'd ever seen. And the reinforcement of being sensitive with the families, dude, what happened to these families is horrific. I'll tell you what, as a family member of, uh, you know, I would be like, I want to know why, like, why did this happen? I would be angry. And you know what? When I was young, I was like three years old, maybe two, two, I think I, we were at our timeshare in Florida. This is like, this is where it hits home, you know, where you don't know the why when something happens and my favorite aunt, um, and her husband, and she's, she has the same name as me and her husband, George, you know, uh, they were shipping, you know, they had a shipping company, right? I'm, you know, Greek (laughs) in regards to my heritage. So we're all like shippers, restaurant owners, you know, stuff like that. So they had a shipping company and they were leaving from Florida uh, to head to Europe. So they dropped off their three children to my parents and said, hey, you know, you guys are going to be leaving Florida soon for the summer to go to Greece with your kids. So just take ours there um, and we're going to leave with the ship. Well, soon after that, you know, the ship went missing. It completely went missing, like off the, nobody knows. And, you know, we obviously raised my cousins, the whole family did as their, as our own, like we're like siblings. I mean, I guess that's in the Greek culture, but even till today, I mean, my cousin had, um, a a daughter named her after his mom, which I was named after too, because she was so beloved. Um, so my name is actually common in my family. I have two little nieces with that name again, named after my lost aunt and uncle. So, you know, they, they've grown up, uh, one of them's a professional basketball player actually played for the country Greece. They're, they're successful. They have businesses, they have children, they were fostered in a loving environment. But the question is always burning as to why, why did this tragedy happen? And what I'm seeing is, is that you're not allowed to ask why. It seems as if there is a don't ask, don't tell. And with the chief of the police in Mandan making the same, oh, they were always respected means that it's not really looking good. And I know it's going to sound really weird. You're going to be like, well, you know, if they were dealing with, you know, gang members like drug trafficking, um, you know, human trafficking, you know, if you're dancing with gangsters, you're going to get it one day. You know, MS-13 don't play around. We saw this kind of massacre. What was it? Three years ago in Long Island, didn't we, guys, for that, you know, gang that was bringing those women from Mexico and putting them in rooms and making people have sex with them. We saw the same type of shakedown. Where like a bunch of people from this property management uh, place were slaughtered. And the thing is, no one says that each and every one of these victims knew about it. But I mean, again, it's your business. You don't know what's going on. I mean, for eight years, you've got this guy with a 50 mile long rap sheet, Adam Fuhrer, who was raised by a pedophile and a known child trafficker. And, you know, you didn't know. His picture is omitted from most of the media. Uh, Their social media has been scrubbed. They've taken down their website for their pictures of their employees. You know, it's strange. Now, rumors have it that uh, they've actually gotten a suspect in custody and they're looking for the leaders of their crime ring. Uh, These are unconfirmed sources, but very solid ones. I haven't been able to confirm anything, but these are solid sources. And again, I ask the question, if we've got a drug or human and child trafficking ring that has just been busted. Why is the FBI not on it? And I'll tell you why. 
Because people cover for each other, just like I said with the example of the Bismarck Police Department chaplain. There is literally a police report, I actually tweeted it out, where they were investigating him for luring minors. Even the own news stations had a pedophile that was arrested. We have so many cops, so many law enforcement. And you know what? It gives the rest of the police departments a bad name. So much politics. They're executing people. They're racing body cam footage. You know, no one talks about it. It's all under the rug. And the minute you open your mouth and you're like, hey, uh, Minot Police, I heard about, you know, these three people, two of them, like they all colluded to delete body cam footage. Two got fired. The other one one flipped on the others so they're still working like what's going on with these resignations you know suddenly you're America's most wanted you're not allowed to ask why because the why reveals the underlying proponents kind of like why are you asking about Beto right Beto 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 El Paso his family owning 22,000 acres of property that is undeveloped on the border U.S.-Mexican border, and that's where we have the highest amount of illegal alien crossing. Don't ask that question, though. You can't point that out, though. That's the thing. These Mandan massacres are so strange. They keep saying, oh, the, the, you know, please give us a tip or let us know. Yeah, they're collecting information to find out who knows what. I mean, I gave them information, uh, and they certainly know that I know a lot. I've provided it, just like I did with the FBI, because that's the first place I called when this happened. Hey, uh, they were on our little watch list from this guy that was arrested in January for diddling with little kids, you know, between the reservations, and he was from Arizona. I think he was Native American, too, and, you know, he was arrested, and his Subcompany was renting apartments there and a storage unit. So I've already given that information. I mean, every good investigative journalist finds someone, a point contact that they trust within law enforcement and provide information like that. So the point is, how are you reassuring the community that they're safe when there's been an uptick in drive-by shootings in, in where? Bismarck. This isn't like New York City where you're like, yeah, you know, stuff happens. This is Bismarck. They've had... Lots of drive-by shootings, random drive-by shootings, right? Random. Because they're not talking about it. They report it, and then it's like no follow-up after that. Oh, yeah, one person may have, and this person was shot, and, you know, it's like it went through the house like this, and it's like, all right, well, who did it? Yeah, there's been an uptick. I don't know. And then we have this slaughter happening, and it's like, yeah, you're safe. Don't worry. We don't know who the suspect is. We don't have any suspects, but if you have information, give it to us. And we're pretty sure it was isolated. Why? Because all four of them work for it? See, when you're trying to solve a problem, you see for commonality. So this happens in science. It happens, obviously, in crimes. You look at the commonality. What commonality do they all have? Okay, they all work together. They all work for the same company. Great. Now, let's look at the history of each and every one of those individuals. Can it give us a hint as to what might have triggered it? Oh, well, the first thing one would say is, well, Adam Fuhrer has a really huge rap sheet, was raised by a pedo, has a thick juvie file, too, that's sealed, and yeah, he might have done it. Yeah, but it would be difficult for him to stab himself unless we can get the medical examiner to say, He stabbed all of them by himself, and then he stabbed himself to death. Kind of hard to prove. But, you know, we've seen it before. What was it? That someone committed suicide by shooting themselves in the back of the head? You remember that one? Yeah, okay. So that's that. 
So they're actually looking and they're like, okay, so who did this? Oh, we have trucks in and out. It was a company vehicle that left, uh, you know, this, that no one's talking. We don't know if there's gag orders. The reporters are asking dumb questions. Questions that to be asked is, how are you so sure that the community at large is okay with the uptick in drive-by shootings just down the road from you in Bismarck? And is this gang-related? How could it be one person, you know, slaughtering four people? Do you, were they bound? Did you find them bound to chairs? You know, that's how you can... Were they held at gunpoint and then sliced open? This is like the torture stuff we saw with MS-13 in Long Island just over a year ago. So... This is where you ask questions and you know, people are like, oh my God, the families are hurting. Okay. Yeah, they're hurting. They are, but they should be hurting more to find out why. And even if it shows a side of their family member that they didn't know existed, because like I said, you own these properties. I mean, yeah, maybe Adam was great at obfuscating his connections to these gangs through his dad, maybe because that is like the most plausible theory. That he was the point guy for these rentals or these storage units. This is a theory, right? Hasn't been proven yet. Theory. So he could be the point guy. And you know, these people pay extra for apartment rentals, extra. So there's discretion, right? So there's don't ask, don't tell. So maybe this was a meeting with all four of them where they're like, listen, Adam, we can't have these people renting anymore. You need to fix this. Yain invited them to tell them and maybe, you know, you guys can tell them and they come and they're like, who did you talk to? Because if you want to kick them out because you're suspicious of activity, you must have been talking to authorities. So now you need to talk. So this is where they start to cut you, right? That's usually how it goes. It could have been like that. That's, that's one plausible way. It could have been another way where Adam thought that they would do all the work and maybe he was as nefarious and was in on it. And then they were like, hey, you're going to. And they slice him too in the end. Nobody knows. And, but one thing's for sure. This was an organized crime hit. You know, I've gotten theories about uh, the Sunni Shia fights and, you know, the overwhelming um, non-assimilated refugees that live there. I mean, I don't see them doing it. And if they did, oh, my gosh, there would be pitchforks out in the street to, like, remove them, especially when people find out that the Islamic that the mosque is being funded by state and federal by state taxpayer dollars. Literally, it's being funded by state federal and state taxpayer money because it's as a nonprofit or like a community center. I kid you not. Like when the people find this out and that's something that I want to report at some point, but you know, local media here is so fake. They're so organized and so fake that they wouldn't do it. I mean, guys, I urge you to see the live questioning. This is how corruption works. And you know why? Because if this is an organized human child or drug trafficking ring, you know that there's higher ups within the state that allow it to happen. We all know that how that works. We've seen it across the nation. So I guess maybe they'll give us a couple leaders, you know, low level ones that don't have insurance policies on these politicians. We'll see how that plays out in the next, you know, by the end of the week, we should have something if they indeed have someone in their possession and they're questioning them. That's if they survive the questioning. So thank you for joining me today. Tomorrow we'll have more breaking uh, news because, you know, it's almost Friday. I want to wish you a wonderful evening from all of us here at Red State. God bless. And remember, advocating to overthrow the government as a sitting official is a big crime. See you tomorrow.